Welcome back to Double Fries, No Slaw, TJ Pittenger, Richie Barnes, and a whole host of folks that cover FSU. Uh, and one guy that formerly covered FSU, but now working national. Uh, our Tribe Talk mid-season kind of review panel. Um, it's not perfectly mid-season, but the bye week kind of made it perfect to do it this week. Um, brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. Quick shout out, 1818 West Tennessee and 2550 North Monroe, make sure you get your gut boxes, double fries, no slaw. Let's go around the horn. We'll go across the top. You guys know who Richie and I are, but uh, Ben, Kev, Kurt, Essen, and Josh, tell the people who you are, where they can find your content, and then we'll get started. All right. Uh, I'm Ben Meyerson. I work for Tomahawk Nation, so you can find my work over there. Um, and then if you just check me out on Twitter on the, on the little – thing down there uh, I, I put a sh all my content out there so if you're looking for some fsu content that's the place to find it but uh yeah i'm excited to talk today uh, we did one of these in the preseason and I, I have a few things i want to visit that i said um so this should be fun i'm with it who's next who's uh kev, kev you you muted. yep there we go um yeah i'm i'm kev uh kevin little i work at knowles 247 uh and I also run the X's and O's YouTube channel where we where we do film breakdown of uh, future opponents and, and post game film stuff. So I'm primarily the film guy. <laughs> uh, Kurt Weiler, the Osceola, formerly the Tallahassee Democrat, kind of a, I feel like I've been a regular on these for a, a while now when TJ's done them. But yeah, the, the Osceola, FloridaState.Rivals.com can follow over there. And I'm on Twitter. I think it's Kurt M. Weiler. Actually, perfect. Um segue since I took Kurt's job. That's, I'm asking Kasson. <laughs> uh, you can find me at my um, Twitter account is um, at Essen underscore Kasson. And um, I tweet out all my content for, you know, football. And you can find a lot of Taylor Swift takes as well if you want. New, not to interrupt, a new album. You and my wife were probably the two people I know that were most excited about this, just for what it's worth. It's a great album. <laughs> <laughs> And then down there, rounding us out on the bottom. I'm Josh Newberg, formerly of FSU Spaces, and you can find me in Karen's mentions. <laughs> um, Kurt had a good tweet last night about uh, a $5 word. Schadenfreude? Schaden, how do you, I don't know how Schadenfreude. Yeah. Great, great, to see, uh, great to see them <laughs> drop. Uh, another game last night when a good weekend for FSU fans. I think we certainly won the bye week. So, all right, let's uh, let's get rolling. We are a few minutes late. If you're watching, if you could do us a favor and hit the share button, hit the subscribe button if you're not already. At the very end of this, we'll tell you how we you can enter to win a couple of Champions Club tickets to the UF game, um, courtesy of Rohan Law. Um, I'll actually open this. I, this will do this kind of Jeopardy style. So whoever wants to take this. Um, Talking about injuries, I know we fought through some some junk at the beginning of the year and lost some guys. That's um, it's been pretty tough. All in all, entering this final five game stretch, pretty minimal on the injury front. Hope to get Fable back this week. I know that Ward's still out. Wright hasn't played. Um, definitely, O line is probably a concern. But again, Jeopardy style. Whoever wants to take this, somebody step up to the plate. Uh, how are you? How do you feel about the team's health going into the last few games uh, of the year? I mean, not I can, all I at once, so I'll go ahead. I, I'll go, I'll go. But yeah, I think you, you feel better relative to where it has been. I mean, like it, 
some of it's obviously not going to be entirely fixable. I mean, the the one kind of you didn't mention there is, I mean, the offensive line, the two transfers who they lost really before the season began or one game in who they're not going to be getting back. But that unit found its footing somewhat. I think they 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 did enough. I mean, especially when you look at the Clemson game. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I think they they did their job kind of setting up 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, I think Fabian makes a big difference. I think, I mean, I, I wonder how different the last – they don't win all the, all three of them, but I wonder how different the last stretch is if they have Fabian, especially I think the, the NC State game is, is the one you look at there. And like you said, I mean, we've been impressed. I think we've all – I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think we've all been surprised by the wide receiver unit. But I think adding Winston, even if he's maybe not kind of peak Winston because he's been out for a while, adding a guy like him who has that production historically I think could be a, a big deal down the stretch with five games that are – I mean, it feels like all there for the taking to, to various degrees. Um, Essen, I want to lob it over to you. There's been a little bit of – we talked – Kurt talked about the offensive line and some of the issues there. Do you foresee there being a chance that some of the younger guys could potentially get in um, a little bit more these these last five games outside of blowouts like you know your your guys like Armella that different uh, ones in the fan base have kind of been clamoring for what's your vibe there what's your feel there with some of the youth on the offensive line so I think a um, telling comment from Norvell came you know a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about the offensive line and he talked about how hard is to step in as a freshman and I I don't think he was saying indirectly at all but I think it um, in a way. Armella is not going to, I don't, I don't see him for seeing playing a huge role the rest of the season. I think they're going to stick with the offensive line guys they have right now. They've kind of built a, um, a, a rep or together now and they're trying to um, play a little better. They've played back to back games together for the first time all season. So I think unless something crazy happens, severe underperformance, I expect to see the same offensive line for the last five games. I'll throw this one to Josh. Josh, NC state is going to be the, loss that is going to leave the bad taste in everybody's mouth but should fans be satisfied almost or happy with a four and three record considering they probably stole one on the road with a backup qb against louisville needed a blocked extra point to beat lsu does four and three feel to you about like where this team should be yeah i think it's it's about where we all expected them to be i mean i don't know if fans should be happy with where they are after the start that they got off to, but I think it's where we expected them to be. Um, You got to beat your rivals and you got to get bowl eligible. I think ultimately, you know, you say NC state will be the one that leaves the bad taste in the mouth. I think if Florida state loses to Miami, I think that'll, that'll definitely leave a bad taste in fans mouths. Um, So the season's really going to be make or break in the month of November because one, they got to get bowl eligible. Otherwise, there, there's a good chance Mike Norvell is not here anymore. And two, you got to beat your rivals, especially when they're down. Um, let's go around the horn before we go too deep into the rival talk. And so we can do this kind of in the same order. We'll go Ben first. Uh, we'll just go in the order that's there on the left there. Ben, Essen, uh, Kurt. Uh, who's that? Kevin and Josh. Oh, we'll go Richie first. Richie, what has surprised you? the most good or bad um, about this team this year? Richie, you can start us off. Yeah, I think Kurt hit on it. Like we we thought the receivers would be better, but not this good. But granted that, you know, Johnny Wilson, that he'd be at Alabama or Ohio State if he could consistently catch the football. Um, I thought Jordan Travis's start to the season was way better than any of us really could have projected as a true quarterback throwing the football. Um, you know, it's kind of come apart a little bit in, in recent weeks. But, you know, the offense – 
you know, the running attack, we thought it'd be good, but what they did against Clemson was really impressive. When you think about it, what they haven't given up that many yards in like six years outside of two other games. Uh, you know, the defense has been a bad surprise for me. I, I, in our preseason, you know, bold predictions, I projected a top 30 defense and the secondary is just bad. Right. And without Fabian Lovett, it, it's been a struggle. So, I, you know, a positive uh, on the offense, but a, a pretty negative on the defense. I'm really disappointed, honestly, with what I've seen from the defense so far. Yeah, I think for me, the biggest surprise um, is actually what Richie was saying with the offense. I, I think the passing game has been really impressive in terms of the expectations that we had going into the season. I think we all expected it to look better on offense because you have guys who can actually win one-on-ones, guys who you can depend on in certain situations. I mean, looking at that receiving core from last year, this year, it, it was going to be a, a huge difference, but... Uh, they can move the ball really well. I, I think for all the struggles with this offense, their ability to move the ball up and down the field has been really impressive. And I think if they can just, you know, looking forward to the rest of the season, if they can convert more of these drives, uh, the offense is going to look a lot better because they just have these massive lulls that in these last three games that, that you can't have as a team. Um, but they've shown the ability to move the ball down the field, uh, to, to score quickly on drives. And I, I think, the passing offense is something that I thought would be better, but I didn't think would be this good. Um, and I think I thought this would be a run heavy team and, and, the, and the run game would be the best part of this offense. But now I, I don't know. I, I think the run game still might be slightly better, but I think it's neck and neck in terms of is this team a passing team or a running team? Um, I think they've pro proven that they can do both really effectively. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm very new to Florida State football in general, so coming in, everything's um, you know surprised me. Um, from the outside, I didn't know much about Jordan Travis, other than you know the narrative was he can't throw the ball. My first practice, I was then like, "Who's that? How that guy could sling the ball? Why isn't he starting quarterback?" I'm like, oh, "It's Jordan Travis." I'm like, "Oh, okay, that explains that." Um, you know, the running back room has been pleasant surprise. Wide receivers we've talked about has been you know um, nice to see. Defense has been disappointing because I expected a little better from them, you know, especially rush defense. I guess the um, absence of Fabian Lovett has been more hurtful than, you know, we, I probably realized. And then um, just Mike Norvell and um, the way he coaches, the way he's invested in the team. And when you think of Florida State and um, from the outside, it sounds like, you know, there's a bunch of turmoil all the time. But coming in, the players love him. They love playing for him. They love the coordinators. So, that, all that was pleasantly surprising coming into the season for me as someone from the outside. I'll, I'll go in a slightly different direction. I think a lot of what has been said previously applies. I'll, I'll kind of talk more about what Richie, Richie talked about specifically. I would say the, the secondary. I think you thought coming into the year that with Omarion Cooper and how strong he was finishing his freshman season with Kevin Knowles and what you got from him as a true freshman with the safety, kind of how you felt about that, that pairing back there, Jamie and Akeem, it's been, I mean, obviously it's the whole thing. It's the weird duality. The numbers are good, but it really doesn't, I don't think speaks to him because I don't think they've really played a ton of quarterbacks that have been able to take advantage of it, but I've not, it, it, they have underwhelmed me. I mean, I think the fact that uh, Renardo Green's probably been your best cornerback, I would not have uh, predicted that coming into the, the season is kind of a, uh, I think some of those guys, I mean, I think Duke's been playing through some stuff all year. I think same a little for Kevin Knowles. I think the same is true for maybe a couple guys back there and that's contributed, but yeah, I think that's uh that has not been a group that has met expectations. 
we're going to talk about the defense, we got to kind of go back to Fabian Lovett and kind of how this defense is designed. So uh, I think the the coaches knew that the corners were, were a weak point of this defense and they, they really wanted to protect them. Uh, so that's why you see this conservative Ben don't break defense, quote unquote. Um, and they really felt like the defensive line was the strength and without Fabian Lovett being the strength uh, that that really hampered kind of the game plan they had going forward and whether or not they adjusted to it quickly enough after that point is a different question. But um, yeah, once you, once you lost Fabian Lovett, I think we, we've all seen what you have at corner and now you're playing with backup defensive linemen. Uh, yeah, the defense has been disappointing, but uh, it's, it's hard to know if they're out if they're underperforming relative to, to their talent level that they have available to them. And I, I think the real, the real answer to that's going to be when Fabian Lovin comes back and, and you're playing um, defenses that are offenses is that you should be able to shut down. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of that stuff. I think the secondary hasn't played as dominantly as I thought they would. I thought we were going to see uh keen dent kind of take the, the next step after what we saw at the end of the last year. And I don't think Jamie Robinson's out there creating enough turnovers. I think um, a lot of that does start with the offense or the defensive front having those injuries and um, kind of disappointed in all the improvements we've seen from Robert Cooper. He's really been exposed when Fabian Lovett goes down as not being a real dominant interior defensive lineman. Uh, he's more of a compliment to Fabian Lovett when he's in there. And Florida State really needs somebody to dominate, and that's been kind of the crux of the issue. And I think it's trickled down all the way to their secondary and their lack of turnovers. Um, the biggest surprise, uh, more positively, would probably be the fact that Jordan Travis is the best quarterback in the state of Florida, and it's not even close. Who would have thought that heading into the season? I mean, Van Dyke never got it rolling. Now he's injured, but he had already been benched previously and probably would have been benched. He not gotten injured. And um, the quarterback in Gainesville was said to be generational and a top five pick. He's struggling to throw for triple digit yardage in games at this point. And Jordan Travis is when healthy, hands down the best player in the state and possibly, you know, an NFL draft pick potentially. Like, it's not even crazy Brendan Sinone talk anymore. We can actually all kind of say that now. So I think just for him to be in that position right now is probably the biggest surprise at this point of the season. Josh, I'll let you keep it. Um, we'll go some big picture recruiting real quick. Florida State sitting at number 16 right now. We'll use the on three rankings, um, first of all, because we're high there and because that's your uh, your new stomping grounds. But – what is Florida State's, you know, if they go on a 4-1, 5-0 streak to, to end the year, beat, beat a rival or two, what's their ceiling for this class? Um, do you think they can get up around that 12 range or is is really like where they're at right now about as high as they can get? What, what do you kind of see it shaking out like in a best-case scenario? Yeah, I think right now the class, is, if they can hold on to what they got, is kind of where they're going to be. Maybe, you know, like you said, maybe a number 12 they can pick off a big name, like maybe flip a Jalen Brown from LSU, or I know Ruben Baines out there. He's a four star or Cedric Baxter. I, I guess that would be one of note with some major firepower behind him. But I think at this point, it's more about filling needs. And for Florida state, it's going to be in the transfer portal. Uh, number one priority is going to be quarterback. 
Uh, I think Florida State has a big decision to make whether or not Jordan Travis. So if Jordan Travis leaves, then I think then you have to bring in a transfer quarterback. And if he doesn't leave and you have a shot at a big time transfer quarterback, I think they have a decision to make there. Um, so it's going to be really interesting because you can tell they're not really pursuing a quarterback right now in 2023. Uh, they're trying to flip the kid from Ohio State, but you know, we'll see there. But even so, he's not an impact guy for next year. And, um, you know, we'll see about A.J. Duffy in terms of next year. So I think they need that. They need a couple offensive linemen from the portal. I don't think anybody in high school right now is going to help them on the field next year. So I think that they have a good stash of high school offensive linemen. So I think uh, portal there, portal defensive linemen, portal secondary, portal, portal, portal. I really don't think recruiting in terms of uh, numbers from high school is going to be that that great from here on till early signing period, December. Let's go all the way around the horn on this because Josh mentioned something in it, and I want to hear um, – what do we got? Seven people here, so that's good. We shouldn't have a tie uh, unless we screw it up. Uh, does Jordan Travis play quarterback for FSU last, next year? Yes or no? Uh, we'll go in this order. Josh, Richie, Kurt, Ishan. Essen, sorry. I knew I'd do that. Uh, ben and, and Kev. Well, I mean, I don't think he – I don't think anybody in the Moore Center knows for sure. So, I mean – Oh, no, this is just your gut. Sorry, I'm, my I'm just making you call your shot. Says, um, my gut says he will be back at FSU next year. That's one for yes. Richie? I have a hard time seeing him coming back. You know, he, he's got to be, what, like 23, 24 years old now? I mean, at, at this point, I, I just think he moves on um, unless Rising Spear and Mike Norvell decide that they really want him back for another year. But I would lean towards he is not at Florida State next year. I lean no as well. I think going back to ACC kickoff, I think Bud Elliott kind of asked him point blank, like, are you thinking this is going to be your last year? And he said, yes. I think that to me says things can change. Like you said, Rising Spear could change that if they could kind of sell him on like one more year, who knows what that could do. Because as things stand now, he's not going to be a highly sought after draft pick. But I tend to think five years in college, he'll be ready to move on one way or the other, unless unless something dramatic happens. Essen? My gut right now says yes. Um I will say I think um, what's changed since the beginning of the year, obviously I was not here, but what's changed since the beginning of the year is um, the NFL draft prospect chance. And he might get some feedback like, hey, look, if you go back, you can fix this, this, and this and become a legit prospect, you know, to be at round two or three pick. Because this draft class is also very deep with quarterbacks, so that could make it interesting. So my gut says yes right now. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to agree. Yes, I think this is Jordan Travis's last year. I think – He's shown enough this year to improve his draft stock enough to just make it an easy decision. I, I think if things get frisky towards the end of the season, that could change, but I don't see that happening. Yeah, I, I would think that he that he comes back uh, next season. I, I I think those answers he gave early on were probably predicated on him betting on himself. Uh, I, I think he's an, uh, uh, really a stellar college quarterback. Um, and I, I think he could probably make a roster if he if he really worked on it. But uh, I just I think his skill set won't translate to to the kind of pick that he's looking for. And um, I think I think I'll be back. Uh, I'll I'll lean with the majority of you guys. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll lean toward him coming back as well. Um, obviously, if he goes off in these last five games, starts getting mentioned in 
um, draft talk and high on draft boards, then, you know, things could change, but things could change both ways. Like he could be internally leaning toward leaving and it could flip back the other way. So uh, I want to ask one more and then I want to give a quick shout out um, Miami going through some struggles right now. I want to, I want to do the same thing. I want to go back around the horn and I kind of like the quick answers, um, but Miami going through some struggles right now. Florida going through some struggles. They, they may lose um, uh, a couple of games here to, to finish the season. If you can only be one, what is the more important, um, more important game to win of these next two? Josh, you can go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, of the, of the two rivals. Sorry, not of the next two. Miami I, and Florida. I'd say, I'd say Miami. I, I, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, for optic reasons right now, you got to beat Miami having the season that they're having uh, going down there. I think it would be an important win uh, and a very important loss if they were to suffer a loss. Yeah. I'm going to go the other way and say Florida. I, I just think, you know, it's, it's been too long since you beat them. You, you probably should have beat them last year. If Jordan Travis is healthy for the whole game. I just think, you know, ending the season on black Friday, which sounds weird um, heading into a bowl game, a, a win over Florida. I think that carries a little more weight the Miami loss would be embarrassing, but if I had to pick between the two, give me the rival that we have not beat more recently. I'm going to have to go Miami uh, for the same reasons Josh did. I, I think if they lose that game, it's a bigger loss than it would be a win against Florida. I'm going to say Miami as well, um, mostly because if you look at right now, how does Miami get the six wins? Florida's probably already at six wins and a bowl, bowl eligible like, you know, there's a decent chance they're bowl eligible when they get there. So just looking at it, beating Miami would look better right now because you could probably keep your rival from a bowl game. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Miami as well. I think you can look at Anthony Richardson. We've talked about kind of he hasn't been consistent, but the upside remains there. You could excuse away if he went off and 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 just almost single-handedly beat you. And that's a, a possibility. I mean, we saw what he did against Tennessee and in a few other games. You cannot really excuse. There's not much when you look at that Miami team, especially if it's Jake Garcia at quarterback with what he just did yesterday, that uh, you can excuse away about a loss, even if that's a, a road loss. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the trend here with Miami. I think the story amongst optimists about this team is that you're playing simple, trying to beat the teams you can beat and that means ultimately you're falling short to the teams that are better than you um, and I think that's going to be important in the back half to, to show that you're making progress in the sense that you're winning the games you should win and you need to accumulate talent to be able to beat the the NC States the Florida the Clemson but that you you are moving up in the college football world Richie, I think I'm going to leave you on an island here. Two weeks ago, I probably would have said Florida just because of the recruiting aspect, having all the guys in town. But like with Van Dyke maybe down, obviously, I don't know if you guys have seen anything about that officially, but I don't, I don't know if he'll be playing anymore. And just the way that team looks, like it would, that would be a more embarrassing loss, even though it is the, it is the road game. It also, it's always kind of how you start, right? Like you can explain away stuff at the, uh, at the end. And, um, you know, stacking wins early kind of feels like the, the thing the Knowles need to continue to do. Um, I want to give a quick shout out and we'll keep going to Salomon Digital Marketing. Um, their CEO, TJ Salomon, is a big supporter of FSU, the boosters, and its NIL efforts. 
done deals with both Jordan Travis and AJ Duffy, two players that we've mentioned here already tonight. If you're on Twitter, you can follow TJ Salamone and Salamone Digital Marketing. I'll link both of those in the description. If you super follow him, all of the funds and proceeds do go to FSU's NIL efforts. So appreciate Salamone Digital Marketing and their support of the show and the podcast. And appreciate my buddy TJ there um, in his support of FSU and its athletics. Um, let's look at the Syracuse game really quickly. I want to ask about that and I'll go to Ben on this one. I don't know that we'll go all the way around the horn, but watching Syracuse yesterday against Clemson hung in there pretty tough, needed a, a few turnovers. There were some questionable ACC officiating, of course, because that is just the conference that we play in, but, uh, Thoughts around that Syracuse game and uh, what FSU's chances look like when they go up to the Dome, Ben? Well, I think it's really important to look at these last three games against, you know, teams that are better than them that they lost to. Um, and I think like like someone just mentioned, right, they're beating the teams that are supposed to be and they're losing to teams that are better than them. So I think it all matters how it happens. But if we see this FSU team have – a massive offensive lull like they did against Clemson, Wake, and NC State where they have five, six possessions straight where they don't score the ball and where they get into plus territory and they don't even get a field goal. Um, I think that's going to make the difference in the game. Um, Kurt, I know you're pretty plugged into that. I want to get your thoughts on that game too. And, and if you, you know, we won't go all the way around, but I know you were pretty plugged into that Clemson game yesterday. I saw you kind of following along and watching that. Um, I was uh, I had my rabbit ears out so that I could watch the Miami game on local TV because it wasn't on anything national. But uh, tell me about your thoughts about uh, FSU traveling up north and what their what their prospects are in that game. And then uh, Harlan, you can get Eddie there on the on the chat after after Kurt's done. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy um, that that's looking like the the toughest of these five games left. Probably I would not have at all thought that uh, coming into the season. Uh, I mean. Garrett Schrader, it's pretty remarkable, the uh, the strides he's made. I know they've had, I think, as Aronde Gadsden's kind of been a breakout receiver for them and that defense. I mean, you saw what they are doing to Clemson early. I mean, they did for a, a longer period kind of what Florida State was not able to do with shutting down the passing game and even for a long stretch taking away the run game. I, I don't know what to think of that game. I mean, I think there's definitely a world where Florida State's 6-3 and three and already bowl eligible. And like, like Ben said, it, it might be another you lose to a team that in this situation is – better than you. I wonder, I mean, you talked about the penalties and that's valid. What I'll say for Syracuse is it wasn't a fluke. They are the most penalized team in the country. I think tied for with Cincinnati for the most penalized. So maybe that swings the game in Florida state's favor. I don't know. It's a possibility, but yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the toughest one left. Thanks to all the talent for joining and opinions. I'll be at somewhere curious, especially around JTrav, uh, jumping off for the Dolphins soon. Imagine leaving us for the Dolphins. Um, Josh, I want to ask you this, a little bit of breaking news. I know that uh, I don't know how well connected you are still with this, but I, I don't know if you saw that um, Will Healy out at Charlotte. Uh, Bruce Feldman listed a, a bunch of uh, – possible replacements and the first one on his list was FSU's Alex Atkins we're firing up the coaching board uh season Josh do you think uh what are your thoughts around uh Atkins back to Charlotte hey I already sent the eyeball emojis to Alex as, <laughs> as soon as I saw the news break he was laughing oh 
Uh, it's obvious. I mean, that's a, you know, he coached there. He was the OC there prior to coming to Florida State, and he's done a great job at FSU. Um, it'll be interesting to see who else. I'm not like an expert in in the Charlotte opening just yet, but um, he was named by Bruce Feldman and, you know, just connecting the dots. He makes a lot of sense. So it'll be something for FSU fans to watch. Ultimately, you know, it's it's good for Alex. His name's back out there. Uh, he'll probably get another raise from it, and we'll see what happens if he does get that type of opportunity. I don't know um, if if he is their top candidate, but he's one that makes a lot of sense if you connect the dots. Mm, let's do this. Uh, Kev, we're not going to go all the way around the horn on this because I don't want to freak everybody out with this question, but who's your uh, who's your, who's your your top OC to replace Atkins? He takes that job. My top OC? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I have a different opinion than I'm sure Mike Norvell has on offensive coordinators. Uh, so yeah, it, it would be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how it plays off out with silver Silverfield at, at Memphis. He was the offensive coordinator. Uh, well, offensive coordinator before Mike came down here, they're kind of struggling up there. Um, so yeah, that, that's a interesting tree to kind of go down, uh, with the, the Malzahn tree, but I, yeah, I'm not sure who he would target to be honest with you. Wasn't he the O-line coach too? So that would almost, that could in theory make sense. We'll see how the season ends for Memphis. Yeah. And it's not like you're going to hire a well-proven OC when Mike Norvell's calling the plays. Mike Norvell's calling the plays this year with, with Alex Atkins there. So I would think honestly, they probably promote Tony Tokars as OC and name only because what big time, you know, name is coming not to call plays. And then go somewhere else offensive line. Like try maybe they could hire two offensive line coaches like UF has. Uh maybe not though. Um let's do this. Florida State has seen some mobile quarterbacks this season with um Daniels Cunningham, DJ, although DJ didn't really have to do a ton on the ground until he got in the red zone. Uh, he's probably not the passer that those guys are, but we've alluded to how good of an athlete Anthony Richardson is and how he can kind of just go God mode at times and, and take over a game. Um, Cal, I'll go first to you, and then we'll go to Essen. Thoughts on um, how FSU plays Anthony Richardson, having seen some mobile quarterbacks this year, and you know what that strategy probably looks like, and honestly how effective they'll be, assuming everybody's there and healthy, right? Favo's back and, and all of that. Yeah, so – to be frank, the schedule's kind of been kind of been rough with the quarterbacks you've had to face, uh, uh, and it's not going to get much better with with Schrader and Richardson and you know whichever whichever player Miami throws out there and, and decides to to wreck with their offensive coordinator. Um, but yeah, I think I think you have to be a little bit more aggressive against Richardson. You have to you have to force him to throw the ball over the top. Uh, something you didn't see them do against uh, Malik Cunningham, but they did a little bit more against DJ Uangalale. Uh, so y- y- I think they're going to be a little bit more aggressive on the back half. Hopefully you get Fabian Lovett back and you can kind of uh, limit that. But um, I would I would hope that you start to see Jamie Robinson kind of get put in the box a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive, kind of trailing quarterbacks. I really don't want to see... Uh, you know, Derek McClendon as a quarterback spy like you had in game one. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, with, with scrambling quarterbacks, they're by definition hard to hard to defend. And that's why so many teams are going to them. So 
yeah, I, th I think they'll be a more aggressive on the back half, but. Essen, do you have any thoughts around that um, subject? And then Kevin just kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think for Anthony there, Richardson, but... if you I'm watching our games this year, he's um, he can actually throw a pretty good deep ball. Like that's probably his, his best pass. The intermediate passes are where he struggles more. So, you, I think you got to keep him in the pocket. When he rolls out, he he's more dangerous. You know, I don't know. McClendon did not the greatest by. Deloach's had some up and downs and. The main thing is you. Um, what Florida State has struggled with this year is missed tackles. If you miss a tackle against Anthony Richardson, he's gone for 81 yards. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what – I'm going to do this, and then we're going to talk about the defense. Uh, actually, let me open the floor up to Ben. Ben, you told us that you wanted to talk about some things you talked about last time. I don't know what – I have no idea where this is going – I have no idea if you're just coming on here to call your own shot or what, but I'm going to let you. So it doesn't matter to me. Before we do that, I do want to give another shout out to Garnet and Gold. You can go to garnetgold.com, FSU's last remaining family owned and operated uh, retailer. You can use code NOSLAW, N O S L A W, to get 15% off of your order. Garnetgold.com. Appreciate their support. You're going to buy FSU gear anyway. Make sure you get it from folks that support FSU's boosters and their athletes through NIL. Wait, wait, before Ben comes on, the only person that hasn't, uh, Kevin Essen, I want to ask you guys, are you guys, are you both double fries guys? Essen, have you had Guthrie since you've been up there? You can go first and then Kev, you can finish it up. Yeah, I've had um, Guthrie's, uh, um, there's one in Tuscaloosa that I was, was last, so Guthrie's very good. Love double fries. Okay, good. You throw the slaw out? Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of their slaw, so. Very good. Kev? <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've not had Guthrie, so maybe, maybe this is inspiration to get me on the train. Okay, well, that's better than having <laughs> this loss. So just make sure you leave that out. Um, all right, Ben, call your shot, man. What you got here? Yeah, well, uh, like I alluded to earlier, I, I think last time we spoke in the preseason, everyone was really excited about Johnny Wilson. That's who everyone was focused on with that receiving room. But for me, I was more focused on the fact that they have so many guys who can have a game, who can have – their own opportunities, their own moments. And they've had, I think there's these seven games, they've had five different receivers lead the team in yards. Um, so, you know, Kentron Portier had a, a, a game. Uh, Ontario Wilson had a game. Johnny Wilson had a game. Micah Pittman had a game. I, I think the thing with this receiving room that has really stuck out to me is that they're so comfortable with all of these guys. And there's still two guys who are going to be coming back. Uh, you saw Ja'Kai Douglas got in the game uh, last last week, but you're still waiting on Winston Wright. So I, I think once we see Winston Wright back too, uh, I think this passing game should be even better, even more dangerous, because you have both him and Micah working out of the slot. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting things they can do. And I've just been really impressed how they attack the passing game in different ways against different teams. It's not just contested balls to Johnny Wilson over and over and over. They get different guys involved. So I think that's been the most impressive thing to me so far. Good stuff. Um, I really like the wide receiver room. I like what they've done. Obviously you'd like the consistency to be up a tad in the last couple of games. Well, you know, more so NC state than, than the others, but um, you also face the toughest three defenses. I think you'll, You'll see for the uh, for the year. All right, I'm going to jump ahead to 2023. Then we can talk about the defense, and then we'll have a little fun with some NFL stuff, like a little bit of a draft, and, and we'll get out of here. 
Um, again, if you're watching, stay tuned. We're going to tell you how you can win tickets to the Florida game in the Champions Club um, at the end. Um, I think we're all pretty set. I, you know, I mean, we could go around the horn, you know, but I think we'd all be somewhere between three and two or or four and one um, to finish the year. If anybody's at five and zero oh or two and three. You can speak up and kind of talk about it, but I, I think everybody's like two and three or four and one. So I think it's kind of pointless to do that. So the Knolls finished the year at seven and five or eight and four. Um, now that I'm putting records in everybody's mouth. What I do want to go around the horn and get this though. Um, so we'll go in the order that's up there. SN, Kurt, Richie, Josh, Kevin, Ben. What does Florida State need to do in 2023 for that year? to be considered successful, right? Outside of, you know, this year we go six and six or next year we go, or, or we go 10 and three, right? Because you win a bowl game after winning nine games. Well, then things probably get a little bit different, but what does the team need to do in 2023, as far as a record goes for you to consider it successful, if they win, call it eight games this year, eight games, you know, one way or the other with a bowl, without a bowl, however, uh, Essen, you get to go first. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, Pinning a win-loss record for next year, depending on eight wins, is kind of unfair because the team could be better next year and still win eight games, you know, because just that's how the schedule strikes out sometimes. Um, but I would say if you win eight games, you got to at least, at least be at eight again. And that big one would be the LSU game to open the season. you got to win that one to, you know, start your season right because ACC wins are nice, but beating an SEC opponent is always great. Kurt. Yeah, it's it. Where you reach the point at a certain point. I mean, you can't keep having the same expectations for to go from three to five to seven. You can't say automatically, oh, so next year should be nine. And the higher you get, the harder that is. I will say, I think the 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 schedule lines up better for them. I mean, LSU is still on there, obviously, and a trip to Florida and a trip to Clemson. But you're hosting Duke. You're hosting Virginia Tech. You're playing at Pitt. Wake Forest is going to be replacing a lot. You're hosting Syracuse. You're hosting Miami. It's not the murderer's row. Like NC State's not on there because it's the three-five-five next year. Kind of the mm -hmm. the switching that up. So I think a lot of it though hinges on. I mean, kind of what we talked about earlier with is Jordan Travis on this team. Are how many of those those draft eligible guys are gone versus versus back? I think a lot of it hinges on that. But I would say at least as as good a year as they have this year, if not maybe the chance to be a little better. Yeah, I, I think you have two free wins that when uh, you host uh, Southern Miss in North Alabama, so that that's two free ones right there. If you can beat LSU in Orlando, you know you're looking at potentially ten win season. I don't know if they get there, but you got to get at least eight nine minimum next year, and even that might not be enough for the Florida State's toughest critics right now. But yeah, it's you, you just have to keep improving. So let's say seven and five. I think eight and four is the minimum you have to get next year, and I prefer nine and three. Give them nine wins. You got it. This is year four. You got to assume Mike Norvell has the quarterback situation figured out. Um, nine wins has to be the expectation. There's no room for regression at the quarterback position. As long as the as long as the quarterback position continues to get better, um, this team should continue to win more games. And there's no excuses for Mike Norvell in year four not to have his guy. If it's not Jordan Travis, then it has to be A.J. Duffy. And if it's not A.J. Duffy, then they better go 
work their magic again in the in the transfer portal because I don't think there's any room for excuses in year four that your quarterback play is hindering you. Yeah, so I think we when we defend Mike Norvell and say, okay, he's four and three, well, what we're seeing is that they were 80th, the advanced metrics had him in 80th range year one, 50th range year two. Now they're, according to SP Plus, they're number 38 team in the country. Um, I kind of expect them to go up a little bit by the end of the year uh, on that because I think they're going to play a bloated Syracuse and bloated Florida team. Um, and, you know, I, I think that you're going to be looking for them to kind of jump into that top 25-ish range in these advanced metrics. And unfortunately, right now in the mid-30s, you're sitting amongst all the other ACC teams. And so you're uh, you're kind of losing to that top-tier ACC team minus Clemson and uh well next year you need to be you need to be top 30 top 25 and that means that you're now one step ahead of the Syracuses of the world you're one step ahead of the Wake Forest of the world um instead of being at their level or slightly behind them so I, I think you need to win some of those games and I think that means that you're going to end up being nine ten wins if if this track that you're going on continues but if we see a step backwards or or even stagnation at, at the 30th 38th top 40 level that's that's not uh that's not where they need to be yeah i, I think kev kind of nailed it there it's uh it's pretty simple they have to at least win eight to nine games and they 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 have to start also winning some of these games against these better acc teams you know like like kevin mentioned it's the nc states the wake forest the syracuse is the world they can't keep losing to those teams that has to change so to me um Kind of like what Kevin was saying, they have to be a top 25 team or a fringe top 25 team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of in line with that. You know, I think it, it's, it's really important, you know, how they how I mean, rankings to me can be so subjective and right. Like how you start the year can have a big impact on that. Right. You know, if if we had started the year and we we're four and three, if started the year ranked and we're four and three, we'd probably still be ranked right now. Um, if we since we didn't, we're, you know, the last team receiving votes, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's gotta be around the nine number, right? I don't think anybody's like, I don't think Mike gets fired at eight or anything like that, but to show that, that you're kind of moving up and moving on the right way, it feels like it has to be around nine. Um, all right, let's do this. See if I can share this. Um, let's share it a little bit bigger there. Um, has FSU's defense improved? Um, I want to look at some, let's see if we can do this one, uh, Harlan. So that, yeah, so it looks a little bit better there. Um, FSU's defense has been one of the most debated topics about the team this year. Um, FSU's total defense currently sits at number 25. The question though, is whether or not total defense is a good measuring stick. I've heard other outlets. I've heard other people talk about how the defense is top 25 and how that's good enough, how that's improvement and how we're on the right track there. Um, but the question again is whether total defense is a good measuring stick. I'm going to frame this towards Ben and Kevin. I gave them a heads up on this uh, beforehand, and then I want to open it up to everybody else here in a minute. So we divide, we dived into more advanced analytics to clarify this debate, looking at the FPI defense, defensive efficiency. Sorry if I lose anybody for nerding out too much here. Through seven games, it appears the defense has taken a step back. If you look at the FEI defensive ratings through seven games, you see a similar trend. 
Now, I did think it would be interesting to compare what the offense has done with these same measurements. The offensive FEI, um, looking at the FEI defensive and offensive through seven games, it does look like the offense has done much better. Um, If you look at all of this right now, it looks like the offense is clearly better where the defense has taken a little bit of a step back. So I want to talk with Kev first and then Ben, because I know they jump more into the analytics than most. Give me your thoughts on FSU's defense. Um, at, at, you know, through seven games this year, do you, do you truly believe that they've stepped forward or have they taken a step back? Kev, you can start us off. Yeah, so I uh, the SP plus numbers I'm looking at them right now. They they kind of agree with you um, that Florida State. It says it's a very very small step back that Florida State was the number 39th best defense uh, last year. Or sorry, right now and then last year they were 37th. So um, that the, those numbers agree. I, I think most numbers aren't quite as high on FSU's offense as, as FEI is. Um, and it's a really weird thing when you when you start diving into it because, you know, yards per play wise, Florida State's number 20th in the country right now. And you've played some really solid offenses. Well, some solid offenses, uh, Clemson, Wake Forest, two top 25 offenses. Um, LSU might be a top 25 offense. Uh, but what's so but everybody that's watching the game wouldn't tell you this is this is a top 20 defense. Right. So what's what's not lining up? So. They're not giving up a ton of yards per play. They're making offenses earn it, but they're also not getting turnovers. They're not getting um, they're they're not getting kind of key stops. Their fourth down rate is uh, the fourth worst in the country. Um, the the there's a metric called EPA, which looks at uh, estimated points added. So like on a play by play basis, uh, even though you're giving up less yards on a play by play basis, the yards you give up somehow are 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 more affecting the the score of the game. So it's really kind of a hard thing to quantify, but it really just, I, I think you see it with the eyes that Florida state's defense is, is solid on, on some level, but then they're giving up points. They're giving up key first downs and, and they're, they're not making the stops that you need them to make. Um, and yeah, whether, whether that's a, a trend that's going to continue for, for the rest of the season is, is hard to kind of, estimate because a lot of these things like turnovers and you know fourth down conversion rates are naturally high variance very luck based things so do these turn around for florida state and you start to see this offense or this defensive rating go up uh it's kind of hard to tell ben it it appears to me i'll ask you and you know we'll we'll kind of get your thoughts on that but the offense has been pretty efficient when you look at efficiency ratings, but it seems like Norvell's kind of sacrificing some of the offense and taking the air out of the ball somewhat to try and protect the defense. Maybe, you know, the offense is moving at a pretty good clip this year. Uh, but if you look at the number of possessions a game, like Tennessee's getting like five more possessions a game than we are. Right. And they're obviously a really, really efficient, good offense. So that maybe that, you know, but like, we're just not moving the ball as much just because I think Norvell's trying to protect the defense. Is that a fair assumption there? I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily a fair assumption. I think what's been going on with the offense in particular is that they, you know, 
they'll be very good for stretches, but then they just, like I said earlier, they, they run into five, six possessions where it's a lot of three and outs turnovers um, and they can move the ball. Well, I mean, in terms of yards per play, they actually rank pretty high in the country. I think they're like top 20 about in terms of yards per play on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I, I think from a defensive perspective, in terms of kind of like what, what Kev was saying, looking from last year, this year, and looking at all the numbers that you're bringing up, TJ, I, I think the defense was improving towards the end of the year last year. We saw them getting better and better and better. We saw them getting more of those luck-based opportunities, like Kevin was talking about. They were getting turnovers. Things would really go their way, whereas I think if you look in particular at these last three games uh, this season, things just haven't gone their way in terms of turnovers, fourth down luck, third down luck, um, all that sort of stuff. And I, I think with the defense, my biggest issue is that if, if you look at where they were improving last year, the defensive line was getting better and better and better. And Jermaine Johnson, I mean, he, he just had a hell of a season, obviously. Um, and the secondary was improving as well. I thought Akeem Dent was um, really turning into an NFL caliber player by the end of last year. And I think if you look at those two position groups now, um, the defensive line and the secondary has either, I mean, you could say they're maybe the same, but I would argue they've gotten worse. Um, and, and the one area where they have improved has been linebacker. So I, I think for me, the, the reason that, you know, this defense has struggled or, you know, like, like you were talking about with the eye test and, and all that sort of stuff, how maybe it doesn't match up with the numbers. I, I think that's true that this defense isn't, the, they're not a, a top 25, top 30 defense. Um, they they aren't producing turnovers, um, and they they just they are they weren't doing um, they aren't doing this season a lot of things that they were doing so well at the ends of last year at those that last stretch of games. So I, I've seen regression on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's been the most concerning thing that we expected them to at least stay the same or get a little bit better, whereas. They've kind of gone the opposite direction. Um, does anybody want to take a swing at uh, at defending the defense or going out on a limb to say that they are? Does anybody want to go the other way? Does anybody want to give? Uh, you know, nobody has to, but if you want to, step up now or we're moving on. Josh, are you on? You unmuted. I didn't know if you were going. I can go. No, you have at it. I think they suck. <laughs> Here's, here's what I'll say. I think truthfully, I mean, I know there have been the, the really the fire fuller crowd has existed for the entirety of Mike Norvell's tenure just about. And, and there've been times where I think that's more justified than others. I think they have been put in some, some tough spots. And I think truthfully, and we've been talking about it throughout, really. I think when you take away Fabian Lovett, who is probably the most important player on that side of the ball. I mean, when you look at his impact, I mean, some, I forget who brought up Robert Cooper earlier. Robert Cooper, I think, is an important guy behind the scenes. I think Robert Cooper fills a role, but his role is more the space eater, not the guy who's going to penetrate and make an impact in the, and really blow plays up. And I think that's not having Fabian Lovett's been a problem. I think these next five games will be telling because I think it's possible, with especially when you look at who is on the list, like remaining opponents, and if they do get healthier, if Jared Burst is healthier, if Fabian's healthier, maybe some other guys healed up during the bye. We think they might end up ahead of where they were last year. It's not to say there aren't problems. It's not to say Mike Norvell doesn't have to kind of some things to consider this offseason because, I mean, the, the truth is, and I'm not saying this from, from want, being on the other side of the fence of if Adam Fuller should be back for year four, I'm not kind of sharing my opinion on the matter. 
the nice thing for Mike Norvell is if he wanted to make a move, being doing so after a seven, eight, nine win season is a better place to do it from than he would have if he'd done it after one of the last first two years. So it'd be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. And uh, and I mean, it's I don't want to entirely defend them because, no, I, I agree with a lot of, of what was said. But I think nuance is important in the conversation. Uh, I'll open this up. Uh, Essen, Richie, Josh, are there any specific changes you guys would make on uh, on defense, um, whether it be personnel or moving on from four, you know, whatever. I'm more so like toward the end of this year. But what are your thoughts on just maybe things that could be done differently on defense? Or, I mean, if if the if if your answer is just kind of like, nah, this is just they are what they are. Like, you know, try and try and outscore people and, and keep doing what you're doing, but. Thoughts on thoughts on that? We'll start with Essen, and then we'll go Richie, and then Josh. Yeah. So what I'll say is, um, you know, the bend don't break, but don't break defense is great, but it has allowed for more drives for the opponent. It's a lot. I'm um, taking the offense off the field a little bit and kind of ruin their flow as well. So I think at some point in the Syracuse game, you got to be more aggressive. You have to have the defense make a big play, have a short field because you're not getting that, you, special teams. Micah Pittman's had a couple of good returns. You know, Trey Benson's had a good couple of good returns on the kickoff game. But you're not getting that regularly. You need defense to make a play, maybe score a touchdown to, you know, be a difference in a game like Syracuse or they could have used that in Clemson like Syracuse did themselves, you know. Richie? Yeah, I think, you know, Mike Norvell, you know, he's going to have his job regardless after this year, but I do think he needs to take a serious look at Adam Fuller and see if it's time to move on from him because that that could be the one coaching position that's holding him back. I don't think that the secondary is well coached. That's Fuller's specialty. I don't think they've been great. You know, we talk about bend, don't break. They've been bend and break all season. I'm ready to move on from Adam Fuller and I'll, I'll, throw it out there and say that I, I just don't think he's the guy if Mike Norvell is going to be the guy to get Florida State back to you know getting into New Year's Six Bowls and competing for a, you know a chance in the playoffs especially when they expand to 12 teams I don't think Adam Fuller's the guy that, that's just where I'm at right now Josh um, I, I don't think you get rid of Adam Fuller after this year I, I think that the defense has improved um, I think it comes down to lack of playmakers um, guys like Dennis Briggs and Robert Cooper, who we've already talked about, they're just not getting it done up front. Florida State has some good players, but they don't have uh, – they're lacking playmakers, like what we used to say about the offense. Um, I think ultimately the defense has gotten better each year. If you think back three years, I mean, there's no question the defense has gotten better. I don't think it's the scheme. I think it's the players. I think where you make changes in the secondary. I think it's time, you know, for to move on from Marcus Woodson – um, they brought in three off-field uh, hires this this offseason. All three were in the secondary. I think with Travis Hunter going elsewhere, that was his safety blanket. Um, you know, everybody kind of gave the secondary a pass due to the fact that Travis Hunter was coming in last season, but that didn't happen. And Florida State hasn't recruited all that well in the secondary. I mean, they're, they're living pay, paycheck to paycheck in the transfer portal just trying to get bodies in there. So I think it's time to make a move there after the season. Um, if you can get a defensive coordinator that can really bring in some talent and go ahead, I just don't know if one's going to be available for Mike Norvell and ultimately Florida State's lack of, you know, 
dominant defense, I don't think is due to Adam Fuller's scheme. I think it has more to do just the lack of playmakers. Um, all right. I told you guys about this. Let me explain to the audience. We'll do this and then uh, we'll we'll get out of here tonight. Appreciate you guys' time. We are going to do a quick draft. It's going to be a two-round draft. I just automized uh, and randomized the names. I'm not going to participate to make it a little bit quicker, but we are going to do a draft of current Florida State players. If you were drafting, if you were an NFL roster, right, NFL team right now, and you could only draft FSU players, who would be the 12 guys on the list? We're going to go snake draft, uh, Essen. You get an edge rusher, it sounds like. You're number one, then Kev, then Kurt, Ben, Josh. And I'm sorry, Richie, I'm not just giving you crap, but uh, you were last. But you do also get to go seventh, so that's a good thing. Essen, yeah, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. All right. That's what you get for complaining about House of Dragon. Essen, I think your job's pretty easy, but if you had the number one pick right now and you can only take FSU players, whoops, that's not Essen, uh, who, who you got? I'm thinking you're adverse. I think, you know, like you mentioned, my job is pretty easy right there. Um, in all the mocks I've seen recently, you know, that he's ranged anywhere from like late first round to mid first round. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty slam dunk. He's a, he has the speed. He has the, you know, technique. He, he has the size. He has the speed. Everything that you want from an edge rusher in the NFL. And not just like, you know, one that comes out on third down, like where he might start his career with that, but he could be a three down edge rusher. So. That's a that's a slam dunk pick. Essen, congratulations to you for winning tonight's draft. Um, but Kev, who you got? Yeah, not so fast. I think uh, Johnny Wilson will get significant NFL reps, and if uh, I mean a man his size should not move like he does, and if his knees can hold up, then that that man's going to be an NFL wide receiver. And uh, so I'll, I'll take him easy easy second pick. Kurt, your turn. I think those were the the two obvious ones at the top. I feel like I'm in a weird spot where I could go a few different ways. I think we're going to lay on the guy who's probably in the immediate future going to be most likely to be that guy. He's not going to probably be a, a high draft pick, but I think he's a guy who could play for a long time and Fabian love it. I think he does a lot of things well, and I think you've seen, I mean, how much they missed him lately. I mean, really through the last five games. Uh, Mr. Meyerson. So – if I'm an NFL GM and I'm looking at this team, I, I want a player who's going to play a lot of snaps and someone who has versatility. And to me, he hasn't had quite the season I expected him to have, but Jamie Robinson could be a, a, an NFL player in the future. He can play nickel. He can play all over the defensive backfield. And I could just see so many defensive coordinators in the NFL finding different ways to use him. Newberg. Um, it'll make good podcast content. So give me big man, big heart doing. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I felt like you might do that with the number one pick just to screw up me. Uh, saying it was easy. Dylan Gibbons, uh, number five, Richie. All right. Um, I, I'm going to go off into line as well. I, I really think Robert Scott has a future in the league. You know, he's not been healthy. Even, a you know, a 60% Robert Scott was pretty good. Uh, in recent weeks. So uh, I'm going to go Robert Scott. And then I'm going to go Tatum Bethune just because I, I do think he has a place in the NFL. I think he's a much better college player than an NFL player, but that speaks to where Florida State's roster is currently. Um, I could have taken a flyer on a freshman like a Sam McCall or AZ Thomas, but I, I'm going to go with guys that are, you know, potentially draft eligible in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's back that up. Um, 
Yeah. Thank you for not doing that. Yeah, you can't use Thomas or McCall. Like it's <laughs> got to be somebody that could could lead, could theoretically lead. Um, Josh, back to you. Uh, we're picking Micah Pittman. I don't hate it. Ben, back to you. Ooh, I'm gonna stick on theme. I'm gonna pick a uh, Akeem Dent. Uh, I, I think he has a lot of potential. I'm, I'm maybe swinging a little there for the fences, but uh, yeah, in terms of guys playing NFL snaps, give me uh, Jamie and Akeem. I like it. Taking both of FSU's safeties, Kurt. See, I was gonna take Julian Armelli. You ruined it for me. I was gonna, I was gonna take oh, the, uh, the high yeah, upside yeah, guy yeah. who I've been impressed by. Um, I'll take Trey Benson. I think that's value at this point. Mr. Kev. I'm not going to lie. I think I'm getting a steal here. Here, I think Kalen Deloach is in uh, built like an NFL linebacker. I would have taken him probably a lot earlier, uh, but I think he is a guy that's still kind of learning the nuances of the position. You see him kind of taking bad angles sometimes, especially in that Louisville game when they asked him to kind of shadow Malik Cunningham. But he, he's he's built like a big safety, which is exactly like uh, how the NFL wants their linebackers nowadays. And I, I think he's he's got a future if he can kind of refine the the edges of his game and mr jared verse himself essen what you got so i'm gonna take the i'm gonna have the most popular team if not the best team i'm gonna take jordan travis yeah i was hoping he would get picked um you know it's not like he's listed at 6-1 he probably needs to put a little weight on um but he has the arm he can move around and that's kind of where the nfl is moving a little bit with quarterback so i could definitely see him you know, even if he's not a starter, he could carve out a long career as a backup in NFL. Yeah, a lot of upside there with that pick. All right, I like it. Thanks, guys, for uh, for indulging me on that. Um, let's go around the horn real quick. Um, again, if people are just tuning in, tell everybody who you are, where they can find your work. We will um, get out of here after that. Stay tuned if you're watching or listening for a quick update on how you can win tickets to the – uh, UF game champions club tickets. Thanks to our friends at Rohan law. Um, so yeah, we'll go in the order that we did at the start, Kev, Josh, Ben, Kurt, Essen, um, who you are, where people can find your work. And does Jimbo Fisher coach at Texas A&M in 2023? Kev, you're up first. Yeah. So, uh, I'm Kevin little, I write for Knowles two, four, seven, but more specifically, I, I make YouTube videos that break down, uh, film. So you can find those over on X's and Knowles and the new Knowles two, four, seven YouTube page. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, Jimbo Jimbo's days are numbered. He's it's not looking good. What's up. I am Josh Newberg. I am now working for on three I do a recruiting show every Monday and Thursday over there. Go subscribe to the On3 YouTube page. It's really exciting. I enjoy uh, what we got going on with recruiting heating back up. I do think Jimbo's going to be there. I don't think uh, they're going to move on from him this recruiting or this year. Um, his recruiting has been, you know, pretty damn good. Pound for pound, they have a really good class coming in this year as well. So I think he sticks around. They owe him too much damn money, really. That's why. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, Ben Meyerson. You can find my work at Tomahawk Nation. Uh, and then I also have my YouTube channel, uh, Ben Meyerson Football. I'll be doing a lot more FSU content there uh, for the rest of the season. And in terms of Jimbo, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with with everyone else, kind of. He, uh, he's owed a lot of money. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if anyone's quite ready to, to throw him that check yet. 
Kurt Weiler with the Osceola on the, the Rivals Network and, and on Twitter, just about everywhere else on YouTube as well. You can follow us there. Lots of good video content. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are about 85 million. I think it's 85 million, 900,000 reasons why Jimbo will be there next year. I mean, I know they got that oil money. I don't think they have that much oil money. If, if not for the buyout, I think he would be gone, but I think that will, uh, that'll save them. Eshin, um, before we get going, uh, you, uh, are you, I mean, you understand why we don't like Jimbo, right? Like you still, you kind of oh, follow yeah, yeah, yeah. where you were. All right. Of I know you're newer. Than, but <laughs> just wanted to make sure we're all there. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so yeah, SN Kasson, um, I'm at the Tallahassee Democrat. You can follow me at, um, at SN underscore Kasson. And, um, yeah, Jimbo Fisher is back. $85 million, 85 million reasons why, you know, they can't let him go yet. And he does have a good recruiting class. So you got to hope that, you know, that I think the hope there is he finds a quarterback in year 100 over there, you know, so we'll see. <laughs> Richie Pope, folks know where they can follow you. You're on here every week, but uh, you can answer the Jimbo thing and then we'll get going. Yeah. Jimbo's going to be back in shout out Rory McIlroy world. Number one. I'll be the contrarian. I'll say they lose the next couple and then they're out. Guys, thanks for hanging out. Um, Harlan, I'm going to add you real quick so that if people if people can uh, see the video. But uh, SN, Kurt, Ben, Kev, and Josh, who jumped off here, thank you guys for hanging out. We'll invite you back soon, I'm sure. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Doug Rohan of Rohan Law. Doug, how you doing? I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, TJ. Doug, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate what you've done for our listeners. We gave away a couple of Clemson Champions Club tickets. Uh, and we're going to tell people at the end of our quick talk how they can win those same tickets, those same Champions Club tickets, and a parking pass to the Florida game. Game sold out Black Friday. Go watch the Knowles beat the Gators. So in like two, three minutes, we're going to tell you guys how you can win those. So stay tuned. But Doug... How are you feeling about this year, man? I feel great. Look, we are so close. Uh, maybe I'm just an optimist, uh, but I was there for 93 through 2000. I was there for the good years. I know how good we can be, and I do believe that uh, Coach Norvell is the right guy. I think he's got some learning to do as well. He's a young coach, but uh, the statistics show that there's just been dramatic improvement and a couple plays here or there. And, you know, this is an undefeated team. It, it really is that close. Maybe Wake Forest is a bigger stretch, uh, but certainly NC State's the one that's going to hurt our hearts for the rest of the season, uh, just like, you know, our, our significant stumble last year. Uh, but Clemson was there for the taking. It, it was an opportunity if we had just played a little bit better around the halftime uh, at middle eight, as you guys were talking about, uh, we're we're on on path. Tennessee this year is doing what I think FSU could potentially do next year. Yeah, no. I'll uh, I'll forgive the NC State thing if we can finish up five and zero or beat the rival. You know any any kind of combination of there's a there's a path to making me forget about NC State or at least give me the state title. Yeah. Give me the state title. Win the recruiting battle, and we're going to be on, in good terms for next year. I agree. I agree. Speaking of good terms, you were at you just kind of mentioned it, but you were at Florida State in some pretty good times. You were there for Ward and Winky. We were just talking about. Um, Talk just about your quick, quickly about your time at Florida State, and then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the uh, 
law practices. Yeah, right? my freshman year, I joined Marching Chiefs, and uh, they flew us out to Kansas. And the first thing I got to experience was an eleven-play goal line stand, yeah. and we didn't realize, you know, what that was setting up for the rest of the year. And my first bowl game is down with uh, uh, Charlie Ward against Nebraska for the national title. So I know there's a lot of fans who have suffered lots of heartbreaks over the years in the '80s and even earlier in the '90s. But I, I really timed it perfectly. So getting to be there from Charlie Ward all the way through uh, Virginia Tech and Chris Wanky. I was in the stadium for that game as I was finishing up law school and getting ready to get married to my marching chief wife. And uh, we were just very excited that that happened to be the the seven years that we were at Florida State. That's pretty ridiculous <laughs> when you think about it. I don't know how many people yeah. started in 93 and finished in 2000, but that's uh, that's that's wild. So uh, tell us what you're doing now. You, I know that we, we try and shout you guys out. We try and give some love to Rohan Law, but – Let's talk a little bit about the practice, maybe give a little bit of advice, a couple of tidbits um, for the for the listeners and uh, kind of go. Yeah, man, I, I know nobody is listening to the Double Fries No Slaw podcast for legal advice, but really we have so much good information to share. My goal is to educate the community and make sure you live your best life, life possible. So follow us on Twitter and TikTok and Facebook and Instagram, wherever you want. But all I'm trying to do is share with you the stories I see from my clients every day and make sure you avoid the heartache that they see. Look, nobody calls Doug Rohan and Rohan Law because they're having a good day. That's why we say we want to be your best friends on your worst day, because if you're calling me, it really is one of the worst days of your life. So let me guide you and help you through this process. But more importantly, right now, if you don't need me, because, you know, you advertise Chinese food, you're going to order Chinese food that night. You don't need Rohan Law tonight if, if you haven't been in an accident. But the two things we want to drop and leave with you all is UM coverage. Everybody can remember UM because of Miami, but underinsured motorist coverage and a dash cam. We see so many cases these days where dash cams really save the, the case. They save the damages. You want to make sure that that dash cam is installed and operational so that you can record what happened. And look, some people say, oh, I don't want to get me in trouble. If you did something wrong, you know, that that's, it is what it is. Maybe pop out the camera, break, break the memory card. Nobody ever sees that, that dash cam. But if you're not at fault, police these days really don't take the time to investigate. Every police report is wrong. That dash cam might be the difference between your financial future being preserved by a payment from the insurance company versus being out a wrecked car, being out lost income. The dash cam is really what's going to protect you. And then the other part of that is the UM coverage, the underinsured motorist coverage. We just had a fatality, a motorcycle case where somebody pulled in front of him and he went over the handlebars and broke his neck and died. And his family is maybe going to get $33,000. It was a taxi company. They didn't have the commercial policy they're supposed to have. He had his own motorcycle UM coverage of $25,000. So $30,000 for the family, $35,000 actually is a blessing because they had the UM policy. But it should be so much more. UM coverage, underinsured motorist Motors coverage is so cheap. It's like $26 to add $100,000 of coverage. So call your agent tomorrow morning, go online and add on UM coverage because you don't want to need it. And maybe you're thinking that's a lost cost in your budget. But if you do ever get an accident and the damages are serious enough, you're going to want to have that UM coverage. Yeah, absolutely. To follow up on something you said with social media, I want to commend you guys. You guys do a great job on social media, whether it's whether it's just simple things like that, um, like those couple of stories that you shared, or those couple of tips or anything like on Instagram. I've seen stuff with 
just educating people on, oh, here's what your options are for student loan stuff, or here's what your option is for this. I love following you guys because I'm sharing all of it and bookmarking it and saying like, oh yeah, I need to go back and rewatch this. And it, it is really good stuff. So I'll echo that. Like nobody's calling you tomorrow. I mean, hopefully, right. You know, nobody gets in a wreck tonight or, or in the morning, but remember Rohan Law because they, they will be there for you. And um, I, I've appreciated working with you. Uh, through the last few months as well. So, all right, we alluded to this. We talked about it before. Thanks for sticking with us. We are giving away two tickets to the UF game. Uh, we gave away two to the Champions Club for the Clemson game. Same seats, Champions Club for Florida. Get out all of the popcorn and cookies and candy and good food that you need. Um, the bar is great up there. But uh, Florida game, Champions Club, you can enter to win – by texting UFTIX, that's U-F-T-I-X, to 850-809-1906. If you enter to win the Clemson tickets, whether you won or lost, you still need to enter. You need to enter again. So if you want to watch FSU beat UF while you're still full of turkey on Black Friday, text UFTIX to 850-809-1906. We really do appreciate you guys, what you've given back to our listeners and the support through the season breaks my heart not to be at two of the biggest games of the year that's why we get season tickets that's why we have those champion club tickets i love going to the games but sometimes the scheduling just doesn't work out and so your your listeners get to benefit from that this year i'm not promising that next year hopefully we'll get uh, to go to the um game and hopefully we'll get to go to those big matchups but this year it just kind of worked out where we got an opportunity to partner with you and give away the two biggest games of the year the tickets to the two biggest games of the year well, we appreciate it. And I know the listeners are all crossing their fingers that the scheduling for you is terrible again next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> Doug, thank you so much for, for hanging out, man. We appreciate again your support and go Knowles. Go Knowles.